Please turn your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We've got through our introductions, took two lessons. But we <laughs> there's a lot to say, but we got through them. And um, we're getting, we, you know, with James, what, one verse is all you get as an introduction. You know, Paul might go through about 18 verses before we hit something and then we get running. But with James, verse 2, we hit the ground running. And today we're going to get into verse 2. And uh, we're going to be dealing with verses 2 through 4 because they form a section. And I have, I have titled it here, the whole section, as Patience Perfect Work. But I will title this individually as I go, depending on how far I get. <laughs> okay? So let's begin in James chapter 1. I want to read verses 2 and 3 because they form a single thought. But then I will be, I will be pulling apart verse 2 today for you. And we'll see if we get to verse 3. The Apostle James says, my brethren, now this is addressing both men and women, and it's often rendered my brothers and sisters, okay? So that's for you ladies as well. It, everything in the Bible is for everyone. You all know that, right? You know, just because it says men and brothers, it doesn't mean men and brothers. It means everybody. Okay, so again, he says here, my brethren or my brothers and sisters, he says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Verse 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. Now, let me begin with a quote. Douglas J. Moore writes, he says, By placing trials in the position of prominence in this letter, James suggests that the tough times the believers were facing were a key reason for his writing to them. So this letter is addressed to people to begin with. Okay, It's going to go on and talk about all all kinds of other things, but the first thing he addresses are people in difficult situations. And I, want, I really want you to understand what kind of situations he's talking about. John MacArthur explains, everyone who lives in this world endures some measure of trouble. Can we get amen on that one? <laughs> okay, all right. That is the consequence of the fall, the natural result of sinful human nature and a world and society corrupted by iniquity. He continues, God's own children are not exempt from trouble. You know what? Let me stop for a minute. Okay. <laughs> I, you know, a lot of times people say, well, if God is so good, how come he lets all this stuff happen? Well, I look at them and say, look at yourself. If God, you know, if God wasn't so good, he wouldn't let you say that. He'd slap you as soon as you begin saying that. Have you ever been slapped by God in that way? No. <laughs> okay. It's your choice. It's your decision. And I want you to understand that we do live in a fallen world. Amen. Can I get an amen on that? Because people don't even acknowledge that. You know, they talk about all this trouble and everything that's going wrong. And then they look at God and go, why? Read Genesis chapter 3. And God said, don't do this. And man went and did it. That's a real short, short, short version. And then we got into trouble. Okay? I can just imagine God going, why? You had paradise. Why did you do that? <laughs> Amen. Anyway, let me continue with my quote, shall I? I lost myself. All right. Okay. So it says, God, God's own children are not exempt from trouble. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. This is in John 15, 20. Uh, you know, we really need to get a revelation of that. Jesus wasn't above persecution. This was God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
uh, somebody said, what's verse 2? He was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, verse 3. <laughs> All right, but you... <laughs> are we good? Okay. <laughs> we need to understand something. God was down here. And he didn't just ride on a cloud and there was no persecution. Are you kidding me? I mean, they were, you know, <laughs> the people that should have been supporting him were persecuting him. How bad is that? It's one thing to, you know, be in a place where people are supporting you and looking after you and the world is attacking you. It's a whole other place when you're being attacked at home. Amen. And he said this. He said, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So we need to understand that there is persecution here. It does not come from God. Can I get, let me just say this as well. If Jesus, God in the flesh, is being persecuted it isn't God because he's the one being persecuted. Is that a der moment? Okay. <laughs> God, you know, the Lord's not going to say, I'm persecuting myself. That's the silly stuff people do. No. If he's being persecuted, it is from the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he identified him as well. And we'll look at that verse. Well, that's in John 10.10. 10. All right. Anyway. Paul reminded Timothy that indeed all who desire to live godly lives in Christ will be persecuted. I, I just want to turn to that scripture. Did I? No, no, don't worry about it. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12. Maybe I need to get moving on this. See, we need to understand, if you, if you desire to live a godly life, the persecution that will come your way will be things that you just kind of go, what, what just happened there? It won't be stuff not... It, let me keep going, because I want, to, I want to take you to Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. I'm going to show you something there when we get to it, okay? Hold that thought while I get to it. All right. I've said here, and this was certainly the case with Christians back then, with Peter H. David saying that the persecution in Jerusalem was rarely violent, but the Christians were a despised sect. Therefore, a laborer known as a Christian would be the last to be hired and cheated out of wages or other rights by a Jewish leader. The mere fact he or she was a Christian would prejudice the case against the person wronged. Boy, talk about things going wrong. I mean, talk about, you know, <laughs> unfair. Amen. And I want you to see something here. This wasn't because they did bad work. This wasn't because there was, you know, they weren't the smartest bunch in the group. This wasn't because of anything other than what they believed. Because they decided to follow the Lord, they were being persecuted. I really need you to get a revelation of this. Because sometimes, you know, we don't, we don't understand the cost. We don't understand kind of what we're stepping into. Because a lot of times people are preaching today, Come to the Lord. You know, get saved. Get rich. Get healed. Do nothing. Okay. Now, you can be the first two, but you can't do nothing with that. You're meant to do something with your health and your prosperity. Amen. And each according to their gifts, not according to the evangelist that comes and make you all feel bad that you didn't witness anybody this week. Amen to that. Listen, okay. Don't let people put their, uh, how can I say this, what they should be doing on you. Their guilt on you. God talking to them on you. You know, it's called deflecting. Yes, preachers do it. 
They get upset over something and they make you upset over it. God's telling them to do something and then they get up and say, you all should be doing this. That doesn't take away the fact that God's still looking at you going, and well, you still haven't done it. <laughs> you told everybody else to do it. You haven't done it yet. You know, just be careful because I understand the importance of walking in your anointing and walking in your giftings. Amen. Amen. And the thing is that if you're being persecuted for the Lord, walking in that, there is, there's a difference. Because there is something about the Lord who will just let you know you're in the very center of my will. You keep doing this. Forget about all that's coming against you. I'll look after you. And we will see something that God, you know, God is very smart. He did something. He knew we were, you know, we were going to be facing things. And he, God is a, a God of just in case. Have you all heard that? That's a new one. I just made that up. Okay, that's because you just got it today, live today. It was developed, okay? <laughs> I like to say that in that God doesn't leave anything to chance. He did something. When he created us, he did something in that he put something on the inside of us just in case we got attacked. Just in case things went south. He goes, <laughs> I got something up my sleeve. And that's what we're going to talk about. All right. That was good. Okay. <laughs> and so in the midst of this kind of prejudice and persecution, the Apostle James says, count it all joy. Which in the original Greek actually says, consider it pure joy. Isn't that incredible? I, you know, this, this kind of just goes... It, it tilts my brain. It is very, I mean, people want to complain about it. And James says, consider it pure joy. We're going to find out why. But let me take you to the scripture I was going to take you to with a quote. So remember again that the book of James is very close to the teaching of Jesus recorded in the Sermon on the Mount. With Simon J. Kistemacher pointing out that James repeats the thought Jesus expresses in the last beatitude. Where he says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you. And falsely, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. I need to stop there because this is what I was getting to. You know, I want you to notice that Jesus says something very significant. The first thing he says is blessed. He doesn't start with, oh, you poor thing. <gasps> you know, if I was writing out, it started there. Thank God I didn't write this. And then don't get mad because I'm preaching something somebody else wrote. You know, people get mad at you, and it's like, why? I'm just, I am just telling you what's here. You might not like it, but that's what it says. I can't scratch it out of my Bible. No. Amen. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I want you to know this. He, he doesn't look down. He doesn't say, oh, you poor thing. He says, blessed. I really want you to get this. He says, blessed. He says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Not because of stuff you've done wrong. See, that's another thing, isn't it? You know, people do the wrong thing and something happens and they go, oh, I'm being persecuted for Jesus. You, find, you ask them, what's wrong? They ain't being persecuted for Jesus. They're usually being persecuted for some whole other reason. Disobedience, lying, falsifying something, <laughs> okay? All that stuff. That's not being persecuted for Jesus. I'm a Christian, but yeah, you should know better. I'm sure God was there with a the megaphone going, don't do it. No. That's right. Hello. Amen. Amen. 
However, and see, now, the reason I'm saying all that is to say this. You know, when you're doing everything right, what we have in the back of our head is that if we do everything right, everything should work out right. Why did something go wrong? And there are two wrong thinkings that go with that. Number one, somebody, you know, you, you look at it and you think, what did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong? Or somebody else is thinking that, which is even worse. Amen. Or you go and say, God, how come you're letting this happen when I did everything right? Are you all with me? But I want you to see something here. You live in a fallen world. You do everything right. And if you're being persecuted, then there is a blessing. Did you hear me? There is a blessing attached to the thing. As much as you're going through, you're going to be blessed at the other end. For all of eternity. If you don't complain. Amen. So I want you to notice he says, blessed are you. Jesus is pronouncing a blessing on anybody that is persecuted for doing what is right. For following him. For my sake, he says. Amen? Amen. Or because of me. He says rejoice. Now, he is going to give us a different reason to James. I had to read the second part of this because I didn't want to leave it there. Okay? <laughs> he says rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Do you, did you hear that? Jesus says, you, they, they, you know, the reason that you should be smiling, you know, when everybody else has got, you know, upside down face, you know, those un, you know this, the, the smile turned upside down. You know, when, when you've got one of those faces, see, when, when the devil attacks you, if you start smiling, he'll go, what are you happy about? Are you too stupid to realize I'm attacking you? You know what your response is? I'm blessed. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because I've got a huge reward coming because you're stupid enough to attack me. Keep going. Let me check the pile. Woo, it's getting pretty big. You got any more? <laughs> are, you, are you seeing something here? If we don't put our eyes on what's down here and what we're going through, but understand that there is a reward waiting for us, Jesus has promised it. You're not going to get to the judgment throne. And Jesus, and you're going, God, I went through all of this stuff. And Jesus goes, oh, you did? Oh, I, I, I didn't know that. Uh, how much did you go through? Uh, 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 how much do I owe you? Because he said he would be blessed. That was his promise. Oh, Lord, when you get there, Jesus go, check it out. <laughs> See how the devil attacked you? That warehouse, that's yours. Because you didn't complain. Amen. Because you were rejoicing and exceedingly glad. Hallelujah. Let's move on. Therefore, James tells his readers, do not become embittered. Sorry, I missed that card. Because of your uh, adversities, but rather rejoice. Thank you. Hallelujah. In this case, now Douglas Jemu writes this. I love this. He says, James does not suggest that Christians facing trials will have no other response than joy. I like this man. Okay? All right. Let's get real. As if we were commanded never to be saddened by difficulties. His point, rather, is that trials should be an occasion for genuine rejoicing. Why this is so, he will explain in verses 3 and 4. And we will get to those verses. But not yet. Okay? <laughs> for now, 
There are some key words. See, we need to understand what we, what's being spoken of here because a lot of people misunderstand what is being said here. In fact, the, the, the King James and the translations, a lot of them don't actually get the, the, what's behind the actual um, literal text. Okay, so I, get, I, I need you guys to get a hold of this today. Because what happens is a lot of people tie these verses with the verses in um, James chapter 1, verse 13, which we'll look at in just a moment, and they say it's the same thing, and because of that, we don't understand what we're actually facing. There are two different things that are going to be talked about and spoken of. James isn't recapping or going back over something he already talked about. He's not that kind of a guy, generally, okay? <laughs> He'll talk about something. He'll, he will expand on things, but he won't go over the same thing again. What he'll do is he'll talk about something, and if there's something else that is slightly different, he will talk about that, and we need to see the difference. We need to understand the difference, and then therefore we can understand what he says to do about it. Did I talk too fast? Did you all get that? Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. Now, in the Greek, you'll get this as we go, okay? In the Greek, this verse 2 has the literal meaning of falling into unexpectedly. Meaning that this is something that takes place without warning and literally catches, off, uh, catches us off guard by surprise. Did you all get that? Okay. Now, this is slightly different to the temptation. Let's go to James chapter 1 verse 13. I've got to take you there for a minute. James chapter 1 verse 13 where it says, let no, one, uh, let, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. All right. Now, I, I, want to, I want to tell you the difference between trials and temptations because some um, translations correctly translate verse 2 as trials, whereas the King James, uh, I think, translates verse 2 as temptations. All right. I want you to understand that there is a difference. The difference is this. Are you all awake? Get this difference. Trials in verse 2 is talking about something that happens quickly, whereas temptations in verse 13 is talking about something about you, about you being tempted regarding something, something that takes time. Okay? A temptation is something that you think about. A seed has been planted, and it starts working in you. And if you entertain that thought, are you all with me? You all know what I'm going, right? Okay. You entertain that thought, that's the temptation. That's what James says. God doesn't tempt anybody. God's not going to put something in there and go, <laughs> let's see how he reacts to this one. You know? <laughs> oh, look, he walked away from it. Let's give it to him again. No, he will never do that. Are you all with me? Okay. So that's the kind of temptation we're going to be talking about when we hit verse 13. So you need to understand that because, again, when we, that's why I said, please don't make doctrines based on King James Version or any other version. You need to know what the original is saying. And that's the reason why so many people, you know, say, oh, the Bible contradicts itself. Yeah, because you read the English, silly. If you read the original, it never contradicts itself. Ever. And it's very clear about a lot of things. Amen. Uh, I want to preach on that, but I won't because I won't stop. All right. It is to do with this. It is to do with the fact that, you know, people think that from Old Testament, you know, they think that God's bad and everything else. But I want you to understand in the original, it isn't. Because there are so many things that we add and things that we mistranslate and things that we don't have English words for. And so we throw in something that's inaccurate and then it throws the whole thing out. 
And then we go and build a doctrine on that thing. <laughs> Amen. And I said I wouldn't preach on it. Anyway, but, but <laughs> you know, it, it comes back to what James is saying. Even he knew that God doesn't do stuff like that. But what we're talking about today, and what I want to look at today, and this, this is the reason why if you don't get a hold of this, you won't understand the counsel that James is giving us and how to apply it in your life and when to apply this counsel in your life. Are you all with me? So today we're talking about things that surprise you, things that come out of the blue. You know, you go to work and they suddenly say you're fired. You didn't know that was going to happen? See, that's just something just that, you know, you would consider that a trial. It is a trying of your faith now. How are you going to react to this? Are you all with me? Do I need to move or something? Okay. <laughs> How, you know, when a situation that you haven't prepared for comes your way, James is saying this is how you react to it and this is why. Okay? Are you all with me? You all following me now? Okay, awesome. All right. So I've said here again, just to recap, while temptations require time, these trials require no time at all. Accordingly, the Full Life Study Bible says that trials or temptations in James 1-2 do not refer to enticements to sin, but to trials, persecutions, and afflictions from the world or Satan. Oh, I love that. From the world or Satan. Now, I want you to understand because he is the God of this world. The system. Do you understand? All right? Things that come at you. Things that, you know, attack you. And you know, and you need to know, family. See, this is where... A normal Christian would think God is doing this to them. You need to know that there is a God of this world. There is a devil out there. Jesus said he does come to steal, to kill, and destroy. If he does that, how come people are blaming God for that? And they never talk about him. Have you noticed they never talk about the devil? It's everything God this, God that. God did good. God did bad. What about the devil? I don't know what that is. That's the problem, isn't it? Amen? Amen. All right. The reason we need to know this is because we are meant to come against this stuff. Not just both. See, if we don't come against it, then it won't, the things that need to develop in our life won't develop. <laughs> Let me say that again. There is something very significant you need to realize, and that is since, do you all heard the word since? Since it isn't God that is attacking you, then you have a right to fight. See, if you think it's God, then you shouldn't be fighting God. Hello. <laughs> okay. Oh, God put this sickness on me. Let's quickly go to the doctor and get pills. You bad thing, you. If God's putting it on you, you better keep it. <laughs> Why are you going against God's will? Oh, they say God and His will. <laughs> All right, but, okay. Listen, man. See, this is why it's so contradictory. They'll say it's from God, and then they'll find a quick way of getting out of it. If it's from God, keep it. Enjoy it, revel in it. If it's not, then you need to fight against it. Amen? It talks about fighting the good fight of faith. It is a good fight because you're meant to win. Amen? And notice there is a fight. Okay, back to this. Further to this, John MacArthur also says, it connotes trouble or something that breaks the pattern of peace, comfort, 
joy and happiness in someone's life. Boy, there's a mouthful there. Did you get all that? Can I read it again? It connotes trouble or something that breaks the pattern of peace. You know you've got your peace, okay? You're finally, you know, in calm waters and you've maybe gone through something and you're thinking, oh, thank God, finally. And suddenly your peace is broken. You know, it calmed down, but then suddenly there's a huge shark circling your boat. It's like, oh, come on. (laughs) <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, if it's not a storm, it's a shark, you know, <laughs> you know what, <laughs> okay, see, it, it comes to break your peace, and we need to understand how to deal with these things, family, it says, again, something that, uh, that breaks the pattern of peace, comfort, joy, see, even, see, <laughs> don't we love to just get comfortable, I like to, okay, and we need that, because it's in those places of peace and serenity where there is creativity and we really need those times we need times when when we're not being distracted by other things and that's what the enemy does he comes to break that because if he leaves you alone (laughs) only God knows what you'll all end up doing that will ruin his kingdom that's the devil's kingdom by the way okay just so we're clear about this so he won't allow you this. I, I don't know how many times I've begun, you know, I've begun to start doing something, studying or whatever, and I get distracted, and the phone rings, or somebody knocks, or somebody says, I just need a quick word here. And, you know, it's a funny thing when you're, you know, I'm just, this is just me, okay? When you're studying, you need some time to get into something. And you can't just come back and just go straight back into it. Now, if you're in a job that just requires manual labor, that's different. But I'm in a job that I kind of need to be centered, I need to be hearing God's voice because the stuff that I do, I do with him. I don't do apart from him. Everything that I read, every commentary that I read, every verse that I go to, everything, it's by his leading. He'll tell me, read this, don't read that. And I go, oh, yeah, thank you. You know, <laughs> there are some things that people write that you should not read. They are so dumb, you know. You, you, and the thing is, you go, well, if it's dumb, why, what's the problem? Well, you get an attitude. You kind of start going, well, how can somebody write something like, you know, hello, and we're sinning now. Okay, so we, <laughs> we don't want to do that. All right. In other words, let's get back to this. A trial is disruptive and unsettling. And according to the Apostle James, comes in various forms. Boy, I tell you, if it just came in one form, we'd be ready for it, wouldn't we? But I want you to notice, he says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. I mean, they're not one, they, you know, just when you think, okay, we're over this, something else comes. Now, it doesn't, have you noticed things happen in seasons? This is beside the notes, okay? Uh, you know, there is, it seems like the enemy plans something out. You know, it says, that, that's why Ephesians talks about the wiles, the schemes of the devil. He schemes, man. He'll sort of look at you and he'll go, okay, we've got a plan. Let's wait till they're weak. Let's wait till they're not in the best place. You know, he's not dumb. Well, he is, but you know, okay? All right. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> it was dumb that he rebelled against God's throne. That was a dumb thing to do, okay? But that doesn't mean that he's not smart. He's, got, he's had a couple of thousand years, tens of thousands of years to work on, well, about 6,000 years, to work on stuff. Well, who knows how long, you know? We don't know when he fell. We don't know how long he's been at this. We only know our history began back around 6,000 or 7,000 years back, okay? So we don't know how long he's been there. And so he's had a lot of time to think about things. That's right. 
And so when he comes at you, he'll know not to come at you when you're strong because will, you will beat him silly. Hey man, unless you don't know how to fight, <laughs> they'll come at you all the time. <laughs> it's <just> like, <laughs> look, a ball, let's kick it, you <laughs> know, okay? But you've got swords and you've got shields and you've got all kinds of things. Every time he comes against you, this is an armored tank. We need to strategize a little bit because we went up against this before and just got blown out the water, you know what I'm trying to say? Amen? So he's, he's sort of one of those, he'll look to see when, when you kind of have a little bit, of, when you're facing the wrong direction or, you know, when you're having a tea break or <laughs> something where you're not paying attention. And then he'll attack. And when he attacks, it's a relentless thing. It's one thing after another. Have you all noticed that? It's just me. It just comes in, you know, it's a series of things begin to happen. And the reason is he's trying to knock you down. That's when you need this. It's not when you're resting. So if you're resting, don't worry about what I'm saying. But <laughs> if, if you're in one of these things, then think, you know, this is where you need this. Amen? Amen? All right. And I want you to understand something as well. That God foresees what's coming. And God will help you. You know, always, uh, you know, this is what blesses me the most. It's amazing how God sees ahead and plans things out and has a provision for when you need it. Absolutely. The thing is, we kind of forget it was there. I could give you an example, but I don't want it to be specific to me. Look for things in your life. That you might have been putting aside or things that you kind of think, okay, God's giving me this and I don't know what to do with it. Don't throw it away. Shelve it. Okay, we, we, we were taught about shelf 13. You don't know what to do with something? Don't throw it away. Don't bin it. Put it on a shelf. Because I will guarantee you there will come a time when you suddenly need it. And you'll go, oh, I need this. Oh, there it is. <laughs> okay? Hallelujah. And you need to know and be aware of that. That's happened to me so many times. And it is also important, family, to know that some things don't belong to you. Did you hear that? Amen. You know, I will give you an example. Um, <laughs> let me just share this with you because I, I'm just, the more I think about this example, the more I'm thinking it, it probably will apply to us. And it, it hits us all where we live, so to speak. You know, uh, there was... Uh, let me see if I can be vague. Um, we, were we were sort of getting gifts uh, from a, you know, a, a certain family every so often. Um, and it was blessing us. And it would, it would literally be you know, for us, not the ministry, just for us. And even though it said it was for us, I just didn't feel right about using any of it. And so I would just put it aside. Because I, I always ask God about everything, by the way. I don't just go get money and go, Ooh, money, 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 <laughs> you know, <laughs> and run off. No, no, no. I just say, okay, Lord, what's this for? <laughs> All right? And so, I mean, this is years now. Yeah. Okay, years. I keep getting this, and, I, and the Lord keeps saying, put it away. So I keep putting it away. And after a while, I thought, it's kind of getting a little full there, Lord, <laughs> you know? And he said, don't look at it. It's not yours. I said, oh, okay. And then it came the time when we thought, we need another camera. Like, we need another camera. And so I'm thinking, okay, it's going to cost this much, and then we got to get it. It was, it was quite expensive for all the bits and pieces. Right. And I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> are you going to fall, you know, are you going to rain it down? Now is a good time. <laughs> a God that sees ahead. That's right. 
And I'm, I'm lying there, and I'm praying, and suddenly the Lord suddenly reminds me of this. And he says, that's what it's there for. <gasps> I said, woohoo, hallelujah, we get to spend it. <laughs> you know? But I want you to notice, over years, that thing came. We could have used it, we could have spent it. We could have gone, oh, the Lord has blessed us with stuff, let's go use it. No, it came to us, but we were just caretakers. We weren't owners of that, just caretakers. Amen? And praise God, so there was no problem there. Hallelujah. Watch for things like that. Listen for things like that. And it might be years, years before you ever figure out what you're meant to do with it. But I will guarantee you, it will have a purpose. Amen? And God will say, aren't I smart? And you go, yeah, you are. <laughs> okay. Awesome. <laughs> and you look good. You look good too. Amen? Is that right? You look good. Okay. Yes. All right. Okay. I need to bring this to a close. I can't think anymore. All right. <laughs> Accordingly, John F. MacArthur explains that James' point is that the trials we encounter will come in many shapes, shades, and degrees. Did you get all of that? Shapes, shades, and degrees. Okay, some are hard, some are not so hard, and, you know, it'll come in different kinds of ways, in different forms. It is not that every individual Christian will suffer every kind or degree of trouble. Did you all get that? But that, that Christians in general are often subject to troubles of every kind from every possible source. Whatever their nature or severity, these various trials are meant to test a believer's faith. They are not coming from God. See, this is another problem that we have. Because it tests our faith, we think that God is sending them to test our faith. Can I just say this to you? Do you, do you all believe that God knows what's going on on the inside of you? No, seriously. Do you, know, do you all know? Well, then He knows. He doesn't need to test anything if He already knows. Do you understand what I'm saying? So who is the one that's testing? The one that can't see. The one that doesn't know what's in there. And he's going, you know, I, you need to see it like this. You need to see the devil kind of putting his hand. Have you all seen like those Indiana Jones things? You know, while they, they try to put their hand, they've got to put your hand through this hole and you don't know what's in there. You know, and you, you could have your hand bitten off or cut off or anything. Who knows? That's how it is for the devil every time he messes with you. You are this big black box with a hole there and he's got to stick his hand and he doesn't know he's got to test it. Some days he goes limbless. Because <laughs> you go in and you go, oh, a hand. Oh, the devil, where's my sword? Cut. And he goes, ow, okay, that, we don't do that again. <laughs> okay, I, I'm, I'm making a joke here, but I need you to understand this. See, he is trying you. He wants to see where you're at. And God's usually sitting there going, let him have it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> okay. It is really sad. Listen, it's really sad when God's doing that. And the person turns around to God and says, why? <sighs> that must be heartbreaking to God. I mean, he's cheering you on. He's like, go get him. I've given you everything. Just go for it. And you're like, <laughs> I don't know. I did everything right. And look, there's a hand. I mean, <laughs> you know, what, what is this? God, <laughs> you know. And he's going, stop looking at me. 
and fight, silly. Oh, I want to sit here. I need counseling. I need somebody to call. And you do everything other than the one thing you're meant to do. And God's there. He, this is the reason why He can't do much in our life because we are speaking. We are not doing anything in line with what He wants. Absolutely. We are not agreeing with Him. Are you all with me? It comes back to this. We still have this base mentality that God's in charge of everything. And if something goes wrong, God's upset or something, you know, we made, made a mistake or something like that. Now, I've said to you, if you made a mistake, God is very clear. He'll let you know you've made a mistake. Hurry up and repent so that we can get you back into a place of power. Not just forgiveness, but power. Amen? But if you don't, I'll run out of time. Okay. If you don't, if you're not getting that, you are now not Jonah in a storm. You are now Jesus in a storm. It's time for you to get up. Make some declarations. Fight the good fight of faith. And expect to win. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Let's, let's leave. I have run out of time. Let's leave it there. I want to I come back. Actually, let, let me make one more statement. Notice also that James doesn't distinguish between internal and external trials. Because very often, what may begin as something external, such as a financial problem or a physical illness, ends up becoming an internal trial with the person becoming fearful, disappointed, or even depressed. Amen? I want to I pick it up there and take it there next week. Because I want you to understand that some of the things that come at us, you know, it doesn't make a distinction because we, we don't know how it's going to affect us. Sometimes something on the inside affects the outside. You know, you get depressed for some reason or something has happened. Again, an outside thing, okay? Or something in yourself. You, you know, you let yourself down. Maybe you did something you weren't meant to do. And then you kind of feel bad and you feel down. And then your work suffers and your relationships suffer, okay? And the, or it's the other way around. Something from the outside comes at you. And then, and then it has an effect on the inside. You know, we, we live in both worlds. Amen? And we need to be aware of that. And that's what we're going to be looking at next time. Hallelujah. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. And we thank you, Father, for all that we are learning. We thank you, Father, that as we learn about these things, this isn't about us.